Hi, I'm CJ Mitica, Editor-in-Chief of ASI's Magazines, and I'm speaking with Dan Thurman, the keynote speaker for the upcoming ASI Power Summit. Dan is a member of the Speaker's Hall of Fame, as well as an author and teacher for finding peak performance and achieving greater success and happiness. His unique presentation style has wowed Fortune 500 companies, associations, troop on the front lines, and many more. On October 28th at the Power Summit in Coronado, California, Dan will deliver a talk titled, Off Balance on Purpose, Initiate Positive Change at Your Company. Dan, welcome, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you, CJ. Great to be here. So, uh, I, you know, I want to get to the message of Off Balance on Purpose, but first of all, if, if, if anybody hasn't seen, seen your videos, and, I, and I've seen a few now, and your, your speaking engagements are, are very unique, and you have a very unique style. There's acrobatics, you're juggling, you're doing handstands, you're on a, on a unicycle. Um, it's, re it's, it's really different than what you, I think, people typically expect from a speaker. So, you know, I've, I've been wondering, like, how did you come up with that idea of, of merging these acrobatics and performance, you know, with your philosophy on business and life? Well, thank you. Great question. I, I've actually been, um, you know, kind of pursuing excellence my whole life in a number of different ways, physical achievement, business success. Uh, and really the similarities in, in the strategies that you need to think and perform when it matters under pressure. And so um, as a former gymnast and acrobat and variety artist and, you know, entrepreneur, business um, uh, developer, you know, all that type of thing, it all, what I found is that through my life's work, everything kind of merged into one thing, which was understanding that these principles that support success in any endeavor can be related and my uh, my love of performing and speaking with audiences and teaching these principles uh, has kind of led me to really understand how people learn. You know, adult education is interesting because um, it's not very effective. It really isn't. I mean, we can understand what we hear. We forget it quickly. We, we, we uh, retain more of what we see visually. And so a lot of what I do in my speeches, are these are visual illustrations and demonstrations for like you said, philosophy and concepts and strategies that I'm teaching. Um, but what really, really impacts an audience is when you have an experience. When you feel like you're involved in the experience, you're taken away from your ordinary life in some sense, um, then you have that opportunity, that window, to really connect your personal life experience to what you just heard or saw. And, and that's where the magic happens because that's when people really can grab onto something that they're definitely going to use going forward. And it's now not, you know, just a trans transitory experience. It becomes a, a pivotal moment for them. Was there like a single aha moment where you were thinking, you know what, I could, I could be like juggling on stage while giving this, this message to a business audience. Was there like a, sing a single moment that that thought occurred in your mind? Well, you know, I've always been fascinated by both and um, by both entertainment and also performance and, and teaching um, but, you know, my, my parents actually challenged me because I, in my teen years, I was actually growing this entertainment company with my one-man show and all these different skills and mm -hmm. stunts and offerings that I had, first in Chicago and then in Atlanta. I was getting net networked with all these different agents uh, all across the Southeast and festivals and shows. And, you know, it was pretty unusual for this young kid to have it together to the point where he could perform for an audience and, and, and do it at a pretty high level. Yeah. Um, and so my parents said, look, you know, I could see that, that you, you got something going here. And probably what was the best, like, sales close ever, they said, I'll bet, Dan, if you paid for your own education, it'll be that much more meaningful, right? <laughs> and that's, 
But but it was because I said, yeah, sure, I can do that. And I had a business degree from the University of Georgia as I was growing my own business. So it became this, this case study for um, how to be successful and do these principles really work for me in real time. Uh, and what I thought would happen is that I would become uh, an entertainer or variety artist or entertainment producer of these, like, primarily, like, big shows mm-hmm. that had a little bit of a business message. But what I have found is that my passion, more than anything, is for the the thought process, the words, the content that it, it, it's imparted to an audience um, and that kind of that transaction that happens when it becomes theirs. Uh, and so very quickly, I'd say in a period of just a few years, I wasn't thinking about being an entertainer with a message. I was thinking about being a speaker who had like really a lot of other tools that I could use to, again, create that experience. So uh, for me, it wasn't a magic moment. It was the realization that everything I've been working on my whole life like prepared me for this moment, and I had an opportunity through this craft of speaking to show up with all of it and give it away to an audience. Um, and, and that's actually kind of my, my overarching message is trying to equip others to show up for their challenges in life, in business, you know, and trying to get ahead or just, just cope with what's around you, to be able to show up to those moments with the fullness of who you are and your strengths and uniqueness. And so... Um, it's all connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, speaking to that message and philosophy, the the title of your book and the title of your talk at the ASI Power Summit is "Off Balance on Purpose." So, you know, what what does that mean for our listeners, and why is it important? So, off balance is uh, off balance on purpose is the title. There's a lot of meaning in just those four words. Um, you know, this concept of work life balance or achieving perfect balance in your life has been thrown around for decades in terms of people saying, well, I just need to attain more balance, or companies saying, um, that's just something we support. We support better balance in your life. Mm-hmm. But then that's where the, the message or the strategy stopped. They had no way of carrying it through or recognizing it when it was achieved or accomplished. And the reason is, it's, it's a wrong goal. It's the impossible goal. You never achieve balance because balance isn't what you ever get. Balance is what you do. It's, it's, you are balancing, making adjustments and choices and managing your focus in the midst of change and turmoil and day-to-day, moment-to-moment. You're off balance, invested in what's in front of you, what really matters, what you're trying to achieve, the, your goals and principles that you're really biased toward, a mission that drives you, right? And so when you think about anything you've ever achieved of significance in life or, or expressed as a, as a true, uh, you know, virtue of who you are, it's, it's because you were off balance in those moments. And so the question is, are you are you driven by that sense of purpose and mission and meaning, and are you bringing that with you, or are you just reacting to what's happening? Um, so off balance on purpose is about how do you lead through change, lead yourself and lead others, and how do you really take that uncertainty, which, let's face it, that's where we live. You know, people are, people act like uncertainty is a new thing. It's a human thing. It's been here forever. Mm-hmm. The question is, is it your ally and your tool, or is it something that just you're going to just put yourself in this posture where you're threatened and, and you just have to react to what's happening? So it's a very empowering message, um, but it's also backed up with tools. So that idea of work-life balance, which is very popular right now and very very prevalent, is that 
is that something that people still should are you guess be striving for like you don't you know you, you strive for perfection you never reach perfection like should people still strive for it or is there is there like a danger in sort of holding that up as an ideal knowing that you're never going to reach it well, i think if you do if you do ask yourself what does that ideal look like for me it's not a bad question to, to pose but it's, you can only evaluate the answer to that question, CJ, over a long period of time, over the course of your life, and say, in the totality of who I am and this like limited time that I have here on the planet, what is it that I want to accomplish or be or express to those I love or you know show up for or experience or attain in terms of my own skills or travels or whatever it is? You know, it's important to be thinking about that that bigger picture. Um, but moment to moment, you shouldn't be thinking about, have I attained balance today? Um, because that's not how it works. Again, it's, it's about connecting. And so what I try to help people understand is your, your desire to be healthy, your desire to have a, to be, uh, you know, a parent or a great son or daughter, or to have a great relationship with your spouse, loved one, or your desire to be a success in business or to achieve these other sports and interests and in that it appeal to you. You can't look at those different aspects of you as mutually exclusive. Like you have to compartmentalize your life into these neat little categories and try to keep everything in its place or divide your time perfectly so that you know everything gets attention. That's ridiculous. It doesn't work that way. There's not time is not uh, apportioned that way in your waking hours, and your your interests, your pursuits will always be intersecting in your thoughts. So the question is how do I connect my desire to be healthy and vibrant and have a great long life to my family and to my job? And how do I pursue my personal interests in the midst of growing my relationships and being a professional creator? You know, whatever it is, it's like, how do I connect all of it to each other so that you can, again, receive that kind of multiplying power of you, which is like your uniqueness. You know, nobody has that particular combination except you. And so you got to own it and bring it. Yeah. So just to follow up on that, I mean, like, right. How, how can somebody do that? So, you know, for example, you know, people want to invest in their, in, in their, in their career and, you know, and, and, and be successful on, on a professional level. But, you know, you see so many examples of then people ignoring other facets of, of their lives, their families, their, their, their relationships. So like, what what's a strategy to connect those things and to, so that you can so you can you know incorporate it all instead of just solely focusing on just one aspect? Well, uh, there's a lot of strategies that are personal to each situation. Like for me, in my example, I'm I'm on the road a lot as a speaker and author. I've been married you know 25 years. You've got two kids, a 20 year old son in college, and a daughter who's about to graduate high school. And all their life, there've been these times that I have to be away or I have to be with my clients. You know, and, and so, number one, as I, I try to include them in the process and in the excitement and joys and struggles as much as possible throughout the way, rather than protecting them from those professional situations or whatever, it's basically saying, hey, here's, here's this client I'm working with, and this is what we're trying to accomplish, and what do you think about that? Or, you know, what would you tell them if you were in my situation or whatever? It's like when you bring that, um, you know, that type of a question to the dinner table, um, suddenly the time you're away is not necessarily time you're just completely in this unknown universe, but now there's at least a little bit of a called a lifeline connection to what's going on, right? Uh, and, and then, of course, that works both ways when you take 
interest and express and uh, invest the right time. There's there's certain tactics like that, like like our kids traveled with me a lot when they were young, still do when they can. Uh, actually, my son in college is involved in my business. He edits my weekly videos, and so every week we're collaborating on a project together. We're, we're talking about creative content. We're you know proud of what we're doing. Uh, plus, I'm paying him while he's at school, and I'm you know paying him to watch motivational tips from dad, which is pretty cool, you know, because it's like, I know he's watching it. <laughs> so that's important. <laughs> but, um, but no, I mean, there's a million strategies about, like, how do you connect your personal, your health, your desire to be healthy? And the real question is, your, does your professional success, like, does your desire to be um, a, a great success professionally on your job, does it support your desire to be healthy or does it challenge your health? Because if your mindset is that that's just going to be constantly at odds with each other, then it's not sustainable, right? And you're putting yourself in jeopardy in one or both areas. So the better question is how can uh, my personal commitment to health become part of this equation of how I succeed professionally? Mm -hmm. And you can find people in your professional uh, circles who who share your interests or want to go play racquetball or want to – go for a walk at lunch instead of, you know, just, just working through lunch or whatever. Or, I mean, there's, there's different, the answers are different for everyone, but it's about asking the better question about how it's connected. How is it that these, these two aspects of me don't have to be at odds? I want to find great choices, like supercharged choices for how they can support each other. Okay. That's, that's really interesting. So on your website, you know, you have a, you have a list of these, I guess, af- aphorisms and, and different types of life philosophies, which I found very interesting. One of them uh, was not enough time is not the problem, which, uh, you know, all, all the time I'm saying, oh, I wish I could do that, but I don't have enough time. So I'm a, I'm a serial offender for, 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 you know, for falling into that mindset. So, you know, why, why is not enough time not the problem? Yeah, um, I, you know, I love, I love those types of statements that really cause you to confront a thought like that and say, no, I mean, come on, my time is limited. I only have so much. I have this limited capacity. Like, of course, time is the issue, right? Mm-hmm. But but it's being used way too often by way too many people, and maybe, you know, we, we all find ourselves, really. I do, too, in this circumstance where time becomes the scapegoat. Time becomes the, 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 uh, the easy way out, right? Um, and, in fact, when you say, I don't have enough time, what, that's not what you mean, right? When you say, I don't have enough time, what you're saying is that I don't value that as much as everything else that I'm doing right now. You just don't want to say that because that's not polite, you know. And so <laughs> you basically have to, uh, you know, put it in a nicer term and, and blame it on time. But time is your tool, right? And so how you spend that time is the expression of what you value, who you are, how you think, what you stand for. And so if your time's not in alignment with what you, what you value, yeah, you're going to have a, um, a feeling of conflict inside of you. So what I'm saying is, like, own it. Like, own the choices of how you spend your time. Because the truth is, we all get the same amount. And there are some people in this world who can accomplish great things and be really deep in the moment. And that's also what I mean by not enough time is not the problem. Uh, it's, it's not about squeezing your hours so much as it is about seizing your moments. Mm-hmm. And if you can really understand the depth and the power of what I call the space between, like the space between what you were doing and what you are doing next, or how you think 
and what you think and how you receive information and how you choose to respond. There's a lot of those moments that we, in our, in our, um, our excited rush to just go forward and faster than ever, we blow through them. We miss these opportunities to really stand out. And those who are most successful in any walk of life, and trust me, I've worked with thousands of leaders, hundreds of companies all over the world. They're the ones who can slow down when everyone else feels the sense of urgency and they can find that beat and that pause. And they're not thinking about man about squeezing time. They're thinking about managing their personal energy and using time to their advantage. So you've had a, you know, a long career. And like you said, worked with, you know, these countless leaders and countless organizations. What's, what's something that like you've learned along the way being, being exposed to all these different people that has really sort of has informed you know your your talks and your and your thoughts on success and happiness. Yeah, I think you know the the biggest thing is that people are just people, and you you would think that those who are at some station that's higher than you or that they're uh, you know they obviously have it all figured out right they have the, all the answers that are still puzzling you. Mm-hmm. It's not the case when it boils down to it. You know every organization. Their, their underlying problems are the same. It's about how they manage people, how they create opportunities for those to connect, how they can serve their clients in a way. You know, the human touch is, is obviously a big part of it, uh, and that's kind of being brought to the forefront right now in terms of how do we really create experiences for others. But, you know, people who are at that level have a, have a need, just like anyone else, to be heard, to be understood, they have struggles and fears, and a lot of times they're kind of protected from in that environment where they can't share them um, publicly. But they're there. I mean, the people people at all in all different uh, arenas. Um, the connectivity of human beings and what they go through is is fairly universal. And it's been my strength is to bring that kind of commonality and the and the connective approach to my work, even though I work in tons of different industries because you know. By and large, we're we're all dealing with different versions of the same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So, I know you have many talents, and uh, for, I was reading on your website that like the latest thing you've been learning is flying trapeze. So, I mean, first of all, how does one learn to to use the trapeze? Well, I um, I'm learning from uh, a, a basically a, a role model to me who's an 83 year old. Um, world record holder, flying trapeze artist in Florida named Tony Steele. Wow. Um, and he's got a, tra- a flying trapeze in his backyard. Along with, uh, he, he lives with um, on the same property with some very dear friends of mine who are stunt artists and circus artists and, and riggers and like trapeze people. And so, you know, growing up in these environments, I've had the opportunity to meet some really cool people. So you've got the right equipment, you've got the right people who are teaching you, you have safety belts, and honestly, uh, it's really a safe thing to learn. I mean, if you found the right spot, anybody could go experience flying trapeze in a safety belt without any risk of, of getting injured. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very cool thing in that regard. Of course, I want to push it to the limit um, in a number of different ways, and so I'm always thinking about that in terms of, like, what's next and, and how can I go a little further but, um, you know, I, I've always been driven by a sense of curiosity and excitement, the love of play, personal challenge. And as I get older, one of my, like, overarching 
concepts of my life is that even in my later years, I'm committed to staying healthy, agile, and capable of doing what I love on different terms, obviously. You know, I'm not going to be doing the same thing I did in my 20s mm-hmm. now that I'm in my 50s, but I'm still doing handstand push-ups on lecterns and tumbling runs and flying trapeze and mountain unicycling and just crazy stuff that, um, that I can approach in a way and say, how can I do this in a way that it's still thrilling, but uh, you know, also manages my commitment to health and safety along the way. So that becomes a different challenge, right? But I would just encourage everyone to, to do that, to incorporate your passion. Um, and I know one of the things you and I talked about earlier was about how people are encouraged to, to follow their passions, find what they love, mm-hmm. so that it doesn't feel like work, right? Yeah. Um, and again, that advice is phenomenal, but it's also incomplete. Because the real key is where does your passion intersect market demands? Like, where does your your passion, what problem does your passion solve? And how is it really relevant? My mom, and, and I kind of started thinking about this when I was really young, because my mom's an artist, a visual artist who taught herself how to paint out of necessity. And what she told me growing up is, it doesn't matter what you do. What matters is how you do it. In other words, you can approach any aspect of life, any job, profession, industry, whatever it is, with this idea of bringing creativity, passion, uniqueness, flair, and and value. And when you find the value to those around you and you attach that to what's unique about you, you're not going to have to worry about finding work or being successful or expressing your uniqueness because you're not faking it. It just comes from who you are and what you love. I think that's really good advice. It's hard to do, but important to think about. And everyone can do it on, uh, on their own terms and in some way. Yeah, I, I think it's it's great advice. So, you know, just to wrap up, Dan, when uh, if you know, for people who are going to be uh, attending the Power Summit and seeing you speak, or who just you know have may, may attend one of your talks in the future, like what's the what's the one thing that you hope people take away from from one, one, from one of your sessions? So my, my first thing is I would say I want people, my mission is to relieve people in, in, on the planet, to, to release you from this overarching idea that everything has to be perfect and you have to attain this concept of balance and that you're working toward that hypothetical future where someday you get it right. Um, because life's not a hypothetical future. Life is an undeniable present. It happens moment by moment. It's happening right now, and the way you can engage this moment is your life. That is your experience. So the other thing, the other way that you have to do that is to release yourself from the guilt that goes with not being all things to all people all the time, or about what's happened in your past, or what you've been through, or where where you've faltered, right? Because that guilt, or that attachment to what was, or what could have been, is, or what's lacking is not is preventing you from being where you are, and you can only begin from where you are and what you have to create something new, or to just increase your level of commitment to creating the life you want. Uh, Danny, you, you give me a, a lot a lot to think about. So, one, I appreciate it, and two, um, you know, th- thank you again for for joining us today. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you again, and I can't wait to meet everyone. Safe travel. See you soon. Yep. Thank you very much, Dan.